This morning, I'm tying in our sermon to our lesson this morning that we had in Bible study. In the sin of pride, the sin of pride can be foremost by many people. As we can see in many instances and scripture in the Bible, pride is what motivated the devil. We also see in other instances that it's something to be warned about. Something that different ones need and all of us really should be on guard in our own personal lives. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, it's one of the qualifications of the elders that they be not puffed up, puffed up or a novice or filled with pride. And we can see that at the end of that it says that, that they be not into the same condemnation as the new King James puts it, of or as the devil. We can infer from the book of Mark in chapter 7, or, uh, second Tim, or first Timothy there, 3 and 6, and also in Mark 7 and 20 through 2023, 20, that was read partly just a moment ago, is that what defiles a man from within the heart is what defiles a man. And if you remember at that long list in that scripture, it says that pride is one of the things that defiles a man along covetousness, lasciviousness, the evil eye, blaspheming, railing of will or pride or foolishness, the adulteries, fornications, or fornicators or murderers, all of these things is listed right in there, we're prized, listed right in there with all these sometimes we qualify or say that they're big sins. First John chapter 2 and verse 16 says to us, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And these things are not of the Father, but they are of the world. You see, pride is an avenue through which temptations come into our lives. As we could go and look in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4, we see that pride directs the false teachers. And we can see that in our lesson this morning, it, it keeps, uh, it, it keeps that, uh, the erring from repenting. And pride is what motivated the Edomites this morning as we studied earlier in our, our Sunday morning class. You can go back and trace their history in the book of Genesis in chapter 36, where in verse 9... It speaks of it in verse 1, verse 8, and verse 9. In verse 9, it speaks of the father of Esau being the father of the Edomites. And if you go back and trace their history in Genesis 25, it goes back to the struggle between Jacob and Esau, even in the womb. And then Isaac being their father, Rebekah, if you remember, being their mother. Esau being the first one born. They were twins. 
And we could go on through the book of Genesis in chapter 27 and 41 where Esau hated Jacob. And he even says, I'll kill him because he took his blessing, his firstborn blessing. And in Genesis 33, we read in verse 1, we read about the nation of Edom is the descendants of Esau. And, and we even read that Esau comes with 400 men to go after his brother. And we see that as they meet that great love they had for each other, fell at his feet after all of these years of hating and hating. He falls at his feet. And they reconcile. But all of that being the fact of pride. Even his descendants carry that pride, the Edomites. In the book of Obadiah, verses 1 through 4, as we studied this morning, the Lord charges them with the sin of pride. And there can be no doubt because this is the Lord making the statement. The vision was given to Obadiah, if you remember, and shows that God was still concerned about the nations which were not the chosen nation. Those of Edom could not hear this message without knowing what God had revealed concerning them. Their own hearts had been deceived into thinking that nothing could touch them. Nothing could bring them down. And they voiced their pride on many occasions. They exalted their pride. They exalted themselves as the eagle, as one verse puts it. Some might say, well, they had a good self-esteem. Well, there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference in having self-esteem in that pride and the pride that leads you to destruction or raises yourself above others. The other fact is their fate was going to be because of their pride in verses 5 and 6. In verses 5 and 6, you see that what their fate is going to be. And it says that it shall come to pass. I'm reading Hosea. Hold on. I'm in the wrong one. Uh, their fate is going to be based upon their pride and based upon their, 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 their exalting of themselves. But their fate is going to be because they're, they're bringing down. Where it says in, in, in verse 5, it says, If these come to thee, if robbers by night, and we talked about this morning in class, have stolen till they had enough. If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things or treasures sought out or sought up? You go back to verse 4, and it talks about how they exalted themselves as an eagle. And as it sets his nest in the stars, and he says, I will bring you down. You see, Proverbs 16 and verse 18 tells us that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
Proverbs 29, you go on in Proverbs in chapter 29 and verse 23, says a man's pride shall bring him low. And you know, a lot of times this pride is fueled by our treasures or the things we have here in on earth, isn't it? A lot of times we look at ourselves and say, oh, look what I have, or look what I've got, or, or look who I am, or, or look at all the things I've accomplished in life. But you know, Proverbs 29 and 23 also goes on to say, honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And we're told about our treasures in Matthew 6 and 20. We're warned. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust or, or thieves break through nor steal those things. You see, our treasures are laid up there. You see, they were going to lose all that they had. They were going to lose all that they had. They were going to be cut off as a nation. And it was sure it was going to happen and nothing would escape. All that Edom had was going to be taken away. You know, if we knew that today about our lives, how would we view things? If we knew today that because of our pride, that because of our attitude or how we looked at things and exalted ourselves above others and, and we were always bragging or we we're always saying things and, uh, about our money and our material things. But if we knew that all that was going to be taken away, do you think we would change? change? I hope we would. These people did and they were given a warning, weren't they? God's people were giving a warning many times throughout the Bible to repent and come back. But nothing was going to escape them. In verse 7, we see the treachery because of the fate of their pride. All the men of the confederacy had brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee had deceived thee and prevailed against thee that thy bread have laid a wound or snare under thee and there is none understanding in him. You see, Edom had made alliances and had placed their confidence in man, their allies. But God says that those whom they placed their faith would what? Let them down. And you're going to see that. You see, man will let you down. We as Christians and as God's people have to trust in God. In the book of Psalms in 25 and verse 2, he says, Oh my God, the psalmist writes, I trust in thee. And you go on in the chapter 118 of Psalm, and it gives us the words that it's better to trust in God than man. There's one guarantee that I can tell you this morning is that men will let you down. Men will disappoint you. And we can't lay all of our trust in man. In verse 7 and verse 8 of, of our reading uh, in our class this morning, we see the, the amenity and, and, and the things that, that they'd be cut off by slaughter. 
They would lose their wise men and their counselors and they would not have answers. Thus, they would lose their confidence. They would be timid and troubled. With all this said, this warning says, this is all that's going to happen. We see that they had their fate because of their pride. We see now the third thing, that their faults, their faults that were produced by their pride. They had cruel antagonism in verse 10. We see that they were antagonized as you go on and read. Their violence against their brother Jacob, they showed hostility toward their relatives. Israel, because of their conduct, they were going to be cut off. They were going to be brought down. And you can see that the ties of these two families had been severed. In verse 11, you see they had the lack of apathy. They were careless in that, in verse 11. They actually stood on the other side in the day that the strangers carried away captives of their brother's people and their brothers. They carried them away. You see, God condemns these people for looking on and doing nothing and taking pride, actually, in the destruction of Judah. We talked about it in our class this morning that a lot of times in life we look at people when they do well and they do good for themselves and sometimes we get jealous and we say, oh, I, I, I can't believe they're, they're, they're doing so well and, and, and I just don't like them anymore. Sometimes we get that attitude. And when something bad happens to them, we look at them and say, boy, well, they really deserve that. Well, no, not really. But this group of people, the Edomites, stood aloft during the plight of Judah and would not lift a finger to help. In fact, they took part in it. They became like a story, if you remember in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, of the Samaritan. And the priest, you remember, who passed on the other side, they failed to help. You find that in Luke chapter 10 and 31 and 32. A man lay Dying, I guess we could say, hurt. And the one man found it in his heart. The one who everybody else rejected and didn't like would stop and help this man. And the priest, being men of God, would not lift a finger. You see, we see this from Esau's ascendants toward the family of Jacob, their own family. This morning we talked in our class how many families are filled with conflict and quarrel and sometimes, unfortunately, even in the Lord's church. You see, Esau's descendants stood and persecuted with the other nations that they destroyed God's people. You see, God condemns them in verses 12 through 14 for looking on. Psalms 137 and verse 7 says the destruction of Jerusalem, these people cheered. They use a word there, R-A-Z-E. Even the, the King James and the New King James uses that same translation of that word, R-A-Z-E. And it's actually a verb 
and it means to cheer on, to utterly destroy something, and cheering for that, and jeering for that. They cheered on the Babylonians, if you remember. And God, God had warned the Israelites to treat the Edomites as family. How can we do that? How, how can we treat someone who is against us that way? You see, God warned them. And you find that warning in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 23 and verse 7, where he says, You shall not abhor the Edomites, for he is your brother. He goes on to give a warning about the Egyptians because you were a captive in their nation in that scripture. So how, do you, how does he say and do that? Those who are against you, you're not to abhor them. So yet the Edomites treated them as enemies. They were heartless. Even during this carrying away, they killed the ones who were trying to escape. And they had a deep hatred for their kindred. You see, when one is moved and motivated by pride, they only think of what their actions can do for them. You see, these people's future of pride, God's word is going to come true. The nations around about them were, uh, would do what they had sown to them. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about we as people reaping what we sow. These people had sown discord. They had sown quarrelsome, a conflict, problem. They'd always been against this people, God's people. And it all goes back to something that happened many, many years, many, many years before this time. But they had been, they had been warned Ezekiel 25 and verse 15 speaks of the Philistines, how they dealt by revenge. And God gives a warning. He says, don't be like them. Don't be revengeful. But you know, there was coming a judgment day. Judgment would be exercised and it would be fatal to Edom. Nothing they could do could save them from the destruction that was coming. This morning, I want to offer to you just a few thoughts on learning not to be filled with pride. As we read about the pride of Edom, you and I must examine our own hearts. We must ask ourselves the question, what motivates us? I want you to think about that just for a moment. <clears throat> what motivates you in all of our actions? Why do we do what we do? You know, there's a reason we always say there's a reason for what we do. We say that with kids as well. But what, are, what is your actions? What motivates you? Does your job motivate you? I hope it does. The money I receive for getting paid 
going to my job motivates me. But what are our motivations? Is it because the pride that comes, is it because we are so proud that we can't consider that like these people, we, we might be wrong? We need to think about whether we are motivated by pride. In the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 13, in verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates? You see, Paul here was speaking of, the, and they were accusing him of, of actually trying to find proof of that Christ was speaking through him and what he was saying. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, it says that we need to watch and stand fast in the faith. You see, we have an obligation as Christian people to do that. And when we do that, we, we don't need to do it in such a prideful manner as, as, as Seth prayed this morning in our, in our Bible class. Help us be choicest with our words and how we act and what we say that we don't drive people further away that we bring people to Christ but we must examine ourselves to be able to do those things and examine the faith you see we need to examine ourselves to see if we are truly in the faith you know the Bible I've said many times in this pulpit the Bible speaks of only one faith only one faith. Every time, and when it speaks with an S, faiths, meaning more than one, it's talking about things of man or things of the world. In the book of Ephesians 4, we find that it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one way. Examine ourselves. Examine ourselves that we are where we need to be. You know, and again, we ask ourselves, what is the motivation? 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 28, when he deals with partaking of the Lord's Supper for those who are Christians, for those who are members of the Lord's church, it was set aside on the first day of the week to do it. He said, examine. Examine yourself. We need to examine ourselves to see where we are a prideful people or in the things that we're doing and we're saying, what is our motivation? Do we have love in our hearts? You see, pride pushes agape love out of our hearts. When we think of ourselves and we live for our best interests alone, we are not living with the type of love that God wants us to have. And we're living with pride. And when we live with pride in our hearts, without godly love, our motives are impure. You know, and we all need good motives. And pure lives. What is our motives in life? 
And I want you to think seriously, as I think seriously about my own life. Everything that I do and say today or tomorrow, if time should stand or have said, what's my motive for doing that? What's my motive for getting up and going to work? What's my motive for reading my Bible or not reading my Bible? What's my motive for being here today? You see, learning not to be filled with pride. You see, a prideful attitude and a lack of love will lead one to destruction. If we humble ourselves in the sight of God, he will lift us up. So the first thing that I want to leave you with is examine yourself as I examine myself. Everything that we say in conversations, what's it motivated by? Everything we do, what's it motivated by? What was your motivation for coming here today? Be honest with yourself. Was it because someone asked you or was it because for the social aspect? Was it because... Uh, well, I want to I be known as a Christian or I want to be known as doing good or, or, or it's, it's, I need it for my kids, I need it for my family. What was your motivation? And then I ask us the question, is our motivation right? You see, my motivation for coming here is to learn more. If I'm a Christian already... And I've been baptized and added to the church, the Lord's church that we read about in the Bible. My motivation is to worship God the best I can. And to learn and to exhort you, my brethren and sisters. If I'm not a Christian, my, my motivation may be, well, I, I, I know it's right and I need to go to church and, and, and maybe you need to know more about what the Bible says about church and about what we do to go to heaven. Maybe you're searching this morning for, for what is right. Maybe you, you've looked at the world and you said, man, we've got all these different beliefs and all these different religions and we've got all, what, what's right? Maybe that's your motivation. You know, the Bible, and we can help you with that. The Bible shows us that. If one is willing to look at the Bible and say, this is the authority, and if what this Bible says, we're going to do it, we can help you with that. But what's your motivation? Maybe you're struggling this morning physically, or maybe you're struggling uh, spiritually, or, or whatever the case may be. That was your motivation. I, I, I just need, I need to be around good people. I need to hear something about God. I need to read the Bible. I don't know what your motivation is. Maybe you're here because your parents made you come. But now I can tell you that some of these things, they shouldn't be there. Our motivation, number one, is to come find out what's right, become a Christian, serve the God faithfully until the day that we die. That's our motivation. Should be for everybody's. But I'm going to tell you, whatever your motivation is this morning, we will never or you will never have the peace. You'll be like the Edomites. You'll be filled with hatred. You'll be filled with all these things 
pride. You'll look around and say, boy, I'm doing pretty good myself, myself. And you'll never give credit to God for the things that you have. But you'll never overcome those things unless you do this one thing. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 6, the Bible reads to us, Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. That means to say, I, I, I need to make a change. I don't have it all figured out. I need help. I need to find the truth about this religion thing. I need to do better. But none of those things will ever happen until you do this one thing. I, I, need, I, need, uh, I need some help. I've got strife in my family. I've got quarrels. I've got, I've got all these issues in my life. You'll never fix them until you do this one thing. Humble yourself. Humble yourself, it says. Therefore, the mighty hand of God, and that he will exalt you in due time. Right now, everything that you have, that you think you have, and, and you're not giving God the credit for, you've exalted yourself. But those things, just like the Edomites, can be what? Taken away. And God will humble you one day. He'll humble me one day. If you've not humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God, you've not become a child of His in obedience to His word. If you've not done those things, do them today. Believing in Him and that He died for your sins and repenting of those sins confessing the name of Jesus and being baptized for the remission of your sins. Today's the day that you can change that. Today's the day you can start the journey of figuring out what's right and turn from living in pride and humble yourself before God. Hear the words. When the faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Believing in him when he says in John 8 and 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die. And then in Luke 13 and 3, he goes on and says, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And he says, you must confess my name, as I just mentioned in Matthew 10 and 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before me, men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. And then the culmination of all of that leads you to Mark 16 and verse 16 where he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. This morning, maybe you need to humble yourself and say, I've sinned. I need God and Jesus. I need to get rid of this pride. Remember earlier I said pride keeps a lot of people from repenting and doing what's right. Don't be a prideful person this morning. Pride comes before destruction. This morning, every how we can help you, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.